Thank you for downloading this sponsored podcast presented by PR Week. For more podcasts, visit us online at prweek.com. Welcome to this PR Week sponsored podcast featuring Lauren Fisher, CEO and managing partner of Fish Consulting. Hi, everybody. This is Gideon Fiddlesine, managing editor of PR Week. I am really, really excited to be recording today's podcast with Lauren Fisher, CEO and managing partner at Fish Consulting a three-time Best Places to Work honoree for PR Week, including our most recent version of the program in 2020. And Lauren, I believe you are in that amazing place to work as we are recording this, so I welcome you. Well, thank you so much. Good to be here. Yes, I made my way into the office uh, for this special conversation. So thanks, Gideon. Appreciate it. I very much appreciate that because I have not made my way into our office in quite some time. So good for you, Lauren. That's really, really good. Now, uh, Lauren has a tremendous career. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it, but he also, at present, works with some very, very interesting sectors with some very, very interesting and challenging clients. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, and you will get a sense of uh, why working at Fish Consulting and why Fish Consulting is such a, a hot agency right now. And you know, I'm going to start here, Lauren. You know, a quick look at your impressive client list shows, like I said. You work with a lot of brands and sectors that have been tremendously impacted by COVID-19, perhaps more than any others, restaurants, food companies, hotel chains, the hospitality space. I obviously want to ask you to talk about what it's been like and is still like to work with brands that are facing crises like never before. But if you don't mind, Lauren, perhaps you can go back to 2020 around March and recall what those initial conversations with clients were like when the realization really sunk in that this is going to be an existing altering crisis for some of them, if not more than just some of them. Yeah, thanks, Gideon. I appreciate that, um, you know, lead in. And yeah, we've been, we're fortunate to work with a, a lot of really great brands. And that March 13th, March 14th of last year really changed business for everybody, right? No, no, the, the pandemic, uh, you know, really didn't, didn't have any prejudice to different businesses or, or types of industries, everybody was really affected. And so in addition to the agency being affected in many of the agencies that, you know, are readers of the magazine, you know, we work in the franchise space. So we represent the franchisors and the franchisees, which is a unique business model because not only is the franchisors business affected, but those independent operators that own those individual businesses, they're also affected. So as, as the pandemic was occurring, there was many conversations that were being had with the franchisors and also with some franchisees and systems that we support very closely. The, 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 the different process and how people you know, went through how it affected them, everybody was really scared right out of the gate. I mean, they really were nervous about their business. They did not know what to expect. Clearly, there's no playbook here of what to do in a pandemic. I mean, it hasn't happened of this size in, I guess, over 100 years. And so, you know, we were almost like, you know, peer counselors in a way. You know, I I think I had some conversations with clients that were like literally crying on the phone, you know, upset about not only the impact it's making to them, but really what it's doing to their franchisees. And so they, they really felt for them because they wanted to help them. And so we were we had to change in the blink of an eye on kind of how were we relevant to our clients, because clearly the scopes that we were hired to do were no longer relevant. But we had to make sure that they saw us as a relevant partner so we can contribute to their business. And really, at first, it was really just communicating about okay, what, what, what has happened, safety, health guidelines. You know, we were sending out communications every, every day to our clients through an email blast of not, not selling ourselves, but literally saying, okay, here's what we heard about California. Here's what's going on in New York. This is what's going on in the restaurants. 
we represent also fitness centers and clubs, hotel chains. And so each of these industries, the team really jumped right in to really make sure that we understood all the changing policies and procedures so we could draft communications, not only to customers, because we were writing content for email blasts and websites for customers, but also how does that franchisor communicate to their franchisees? And so we represent some systems as large as Dunkin' Donuts. And so we're talking thousands of franchisees that need to be communicated with. So really, okay, first, everybody's scared. Try to keep everybody calm to a certain extent. Then as the, as the pandemic was taking hold, what kind of changes are you making within your business so that you can continue to operate within the guidelines of the local governments and what they were putting in place? Because that was also very different. I think now we've been through it a year. A lot of a lot, everybody understands, well, California does this and New York does that. And, you know, the Dakotas are doing this. But at the beginning, it was the Wild West. So not only are we just trying to keep our clients calm, but how do we communicate with them? And then at once those communications about safety and, and, and gu- certain guidelines, health guidelines were sent out, there became a time where, OK, well, can we get back to business? When is it OK to start talking about encouraging people to, to either visit or buy our products and services? And so that was also something that had to be managed because we were advising clients saying, look, this is not a time for a BOGO promotion, right? This isn't a buy one, get one free. This isn't discount your pricing to get people in the door because that's not the way you want your brand to be reflected. If they don't want to come, they shouldn't be coming. Find an alternate way to deliver your product or service to your customer in a way that it, it is aligned with what they're comfortable with. And those are the brands that I think if we look now, not only our clients, of course, but brands around the world. If you look at the ones that are successful, it's kind of how did they treat the customer? What kind of information or communications did they share with them in a way to make them feel comfortable to keep that bond and relationship in place, even if that customer didn't buy from them again? And so that that was a, a big conversation. And now that it's been so long, a lot of our clients are back up and running. We do have a handful of casual dining restaurants that are still suffering, particularly in California, but California most recently changed some of their rules. So they're starting to open at lower capacities where they weren't before. We represent a few big box, uh, you know, gyms, and they also are now being able to open, but also to reduce capacity. So it's, it, the key is, is that we stayed in sync with the changing laws and rules and we're able to, uh, you know, zig and zag, if you will, and help our clients, just like businesses are pivoting to deal, to interact with their customers. We as an agency had to do the same. I mean, in fact, in March, I have a a friend, at least in the franchising circles, that has a financing company, and they started getting into PPP loans. And so he called me up and said, look, can you help me? I don't need more people to apply for loans. I need to be able to communicate with those that have already applied for loans. So these are people in the queue. And particularly when the first first tranche of PPP came out, people were filing for it because they were scared. They didn't know what was going to happen, and they were scared the money was going to run out. And so he had tens of thousands of applicants in his pool that needed to be communicated with each and every day about, don't worry, we have your application, here's the process. But also keeping in mind, the SBA didn't have their rules set. Once PPP opened, the SBA didn't have their act together yet either. So we were staying on top of that. And we were like, it was, it was a 24-7 communication just for that one client. Mm-hmm. And they're now still a client today, which we're not doing PPP for them. So I mean, that was like, who's thinking of winning business in March? We actually did that, which is kind of crazy, but it wasn't the intent. We were helping a friend and here's a business that came from it, but it was crazy times. I mean, while, while I had our moments too as an agency, because here we're trying to help companies, our business was suffering. I mean, we were down about 40% in the spring 
And so, you know, we had to, we did a lot of work for clients for free to keep those relationships going. Um, and it was, it was a crazy, it was a crazy time and I don't want to ever do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but even now, you know, we're, we're fortunate. Our businesses rebounded pretty strong. We have a terrific uh, first quarter in front of us. I, I tell people if I get to the spring and I'm still very optimistic, I'm going to feel better because it's a bit of deja vu right now. So I'm hoping that that, that plays out a little bit differently. You know, I would, I would, first of all, thank you so much for your candor and really, really capturing what last year, especially right around, well, maybe a little bit, a month from now, last year, 2020 was like, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening to it who um, maybe didn't have the exact same experience that you did, but could really sympathize with a lot of what you just said. It was a, it was an unbelievable year for this industry, but um, I really, really feel that uh, with leaders like you um, and agencies like yourselves, like, uh, like Fish, I think that. We could actually comms could come out really better on the other side of this whenever the other side of this actually you know and i think to to that point gideon i think that with at least obviously i don't know all the conversations happening but i believe at least in the circles that we operate in communications and its importance has risen mm-hmm. in the sense of it of, of of the value that it provides and i think you know i was trained i spent a, about a decade at ketchum and we were taught that pr drives business it isn't, it isn't a commodity. We're not publicists. It's not about clip reports. It's about really helping businesses move forward. Mm-hmm. And so communications in its, in its level of value, I believe, has increased because brands were seeing, oh, I didn't even realize I could work with them this way. You know, so it, it just, I think it's really helped help make communications, uh, the, the whole discipline seem better. You know, I think another thing that people don't realize is just how broad a market Florida is in terms of the sectors that are located in that state. Um, and I know from conversations that you and I have had leading to this podcast, you have very, very strong feelings about Florida, South Florida in particular. Right. It is a very interesting market. It's incredibly mm-hmm. diverse in ways people know, culturally, ethnic-wise, et cetera. It's also very diverse in ways people don't know, like I said, with the sectors that um, have strong presences there. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the South Florida market, including specifically the PR market in the area and the untapped opportunities you feel exist there. Yeah, it's a great question, Gideon. I think that ever since, you know, I, I've, I've been fortunate in my career that I spent time in, uh, in agencies in Atlanta and New York and San Francisco and kind of settled back here at home about 17 years ago. And I grew up in South Florida, but now operating an agency in South Florida, I find it interesting if we look outside of South Florida and what's reported on inside the industry and at least in the business uh, media or advertising and media media uh, reporters, it's mostly, okay, South Florida is really for Hispanic marketing or Latin America. And I think if we look at, at the case in Florida, that, that's not true. I mean, yes, tons of Latin American business and Hispanic marketing. I would argue that Hispanic marketing is relevant in all 50 states. And I think sometimes South Florida gets a bit of a short shrift, if you will, as, as it relates to an agency, a city that has a, a really vibrant uh, PR agency community. And, and, and we do, and, we, and, and all the agencies down here do tremendous work. So there's a lot more than Latin America going on. Appreciate that. Um, now, Lauren, you're a great leader who I know kind of likes to put the focus on his team, not so much on himself, but that's not going to fly with this next uh, topic I want to bring up with you. Now, um, I'm going to get to a point here, but uh, it's going to be in a little bit of a, you know, with an interesting story that's part of your background and charming background, I might say. So as I studied your bio um, coming, into this, um, coming into this podcast, um, I have to admit, one part that really, really caught my eye was that you once broke up a fight between Miss Piggy and Antonio Sabato Jr. Um, I, I believe it was during a Frito-Lay activation. Um, right, yeah. Now, 
I, I, I'm not necessarily going to ask you about the details of that, though, if you want to share them. I'm sure our audience would love to hear them. But it's sort of a segue into the following question. Since your earlier days in the industry, what do you feel has changed the most about the comms function? And on the flip side, what do you feel has changed the least about the comms function? Well, the story is actually a funny one. I think in my early days, in my first foray in New York, um, Ketchum represented Frito-Lay, as you mentioned, a Frito-Lay activation. And so in the Super Bowl, as, as just passed us, and, and so, uh, which is very different those days. I think this was probably in, I'm guessing it could be like 1997. Yeah, probably around 1997. And so Frito-Lay is always known for their Super Bowl ads. And so, and they still are today. There was a Doritos or Cheetos ad in the past Super Bowl. And so there was no social media, and I'm aging myself. Um, the only way that you actually made a big deal about your, your investment on, on the Super Bowl was to do a big PR and a stunt. And so uh, back in the day, the, this was a bake Lays campaign. I think it was the rollout, actually, of the, of the product line uh, at the time. And that was going to be their focus on Super Bowl. And so we did an event at the Fashion Cafe, which is now defunct, right? This was the hard rock for supermodels. Mm-hmm. And so in the ad was Miss Piggy, the ultimate supermodel, of course, right? Of course. Antonio Sabato Jr., Vendela, which is a, a name that probably hasn't been spoken, and Kathy Ireland, which I think she's like selling furniture now, but amongst something, other things. Something like that, yeah. And so, so we, they were all in the ad and they were all fighting over this baked Lay's bag of chips. Now, Antonio Sabato Jr. being the one male, but we had this whole event at the Fashion Cafe and with the stunt, you know, uh, Miss Piggy, who was fun to work with, of course. But uh, she, you know, she has a personality. So her and Antonio went at it. But uh, it was it was fun. And, and I do remember those days. It's so different now when I see the Super Bowl. But um, to, to answer your question about what's what's changed the least now, I'd say it's about relationships, you know, mm-hmm. and that's relationships with the media. That's relationships with your clients that will never change no matter how much technology comes and, and makes it easier for folks to communicate the success of a business and is certainly a success of the agency client relationship comes down to relationships. I was actually on a call today and we were talking about the importance of, of how that relationship is formed. And, and I always say there's two ingredients to a successful relationship. That's collaboration and respect, respect for each other, right? As humans, which I think for the all agency folk listening to this, there's plenty of that that doesn't happen, unfortunately, but that's a baseline, but it's also respect for the discipline of public relations. In the end of the day, PR can such an important role, and we talked about that a minute ago, about elevating the value that we offer. So that's critical. And then collaboration. If the, if the client isn't willing to kind of share information and work together, it'll never work. If we're looked at as a vendor or you know, this person who's supposed to do stuff and we're a gopher for that, for that client, will never work. So those two things are critical. I mean, relationships are, are so important. And I think what, what, has, what has changed most, I think it's, it's actually just the flip side of that. Technology has, has, has really, I mean, the internet, I mean, I think for those folks in our, our generation, you know, that the internet didn't exist. You know, we called reporters, you know, mm-hmm. on the phone. We, we sent faxes to them. Uh, but now it's a 24-7 news cycle. The media is, is always on. And then you put in there social media influencers, which oddly enough, they're paid, but they're more credible than journalists today, which is shocking how that works, that technology has really upended the industry. And so for those agencies and and internal PR folk, for that matter, for them to survive, we have to make sure that we're off of all of it. I mean, no longer is the deadline, you don't call a reporter at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, because they're working on their story for the next day. 
mean, that was what we, we knew that you shouldn't call then. We shouldn't put news out on Monday or on Friday. There's news every minute of every day. And so, you know, it's changed. We have to be on our game a lot more. We have to certainly know a lot more about the different media that's out there and be able to respond to them. Um, it, there isn't just like three networks and a handful of newspapers anymore. Um, I mean, I used to build media lists with a Bacon's book that was outdated the minute it hit your desk. You know, now we've got databases that are updated every day. So technology's changed it for the good. And I think it, it gives us, you know, a lot more to work with, but it's certainly, you need to up your game quite a bit. Awesome. And, you know, we started today with COVID-19 and perhaps it's a good place to end it. So um, I'd like to ask you, um, of, over the last um, 11 or so months now, since, since, since it's really started, um, what is it that you're most proud of, whether as a, whether as an agency owner or just as, as a PR pro or even personally, what is it that you're most proud of that you've been able to accomplish over the last 11 months? And what is the one thing that you sort of wish you maybe could have done a little better or had made a little bit more progress on than you did over the last 11 months? I think if there's something to do better, I'll cover that first. I think, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, we all, it was very emotional when this was happening, you know, in March. And uh, we were all scared. And, and if someone says they weren't, then they're lying. Because we had no idea as a business owner where this is going. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, you, there's a lot of pressure as, as a business owner. Uh, your, your overhead is not like just a number on a P&L, right? Your, your overhead, yes, it's financial, but you have lives that you're responsible for. Y- your family first, of course, but every team member that relies on you to pay their salary that, and then their family and their children and what have you, there's a lot on your shoulders. And so there were moments, which I, I, fortunately they were only a few where I think I may have lost my cool or I got very frustrated or, or let my emotion get the best of me, whether it was with a client, um, you know, or a media a reporter or something like that. Um, I wish I kept my cool a little bit. So I think that's kind of one thing to be honest. Um, but I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that when this went down in March, you know, my leadership team, we got together, it was like a it was our own crisis, right? Because this was a crisis where, you know, we, we met uh, every morning. We talked about what, what are the day's objectives? What do we need to do? Who do we need to communicate? What do we need to say? And one of the biggest things we did was we had to create a doomsday budget, right? We had to change our goals for the year. You know, we came in, like I was saying earlier, Q1 was incredible. We were having the best, you know, two and a half months that we've ever had. And so, we had a budget, we had a plan, we were killing it, but this happened ever all, you know, all cards were up wrong, but we had to change what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And so we created a doomsday budget. I think we sliced about a million and a half out of it. And, and to, to, from a top line to say, okay, well, what are we going to lose? And if we lose that, what do we need to do? And the thing that we were, we said was mandatory. Our two goals were keep everyone employed, keep them at their salary, and break even is the best case scenario, right? We weren't, who, who seeks profit when this is going on? I mean, we can't, can't make that objective because that's a profit. And then, then what's, the, what's the loss? Somebody's job, right? I mean, their livelihood. And so, I mean, these folks rely on you. So it was keep everybody employed, keep their salaries the same and, and break even. And so I, I'm, I'm so proud to say that as a team, because it was not just me. I mean, we had so many people doing it. Not only do we keep everybody employed, we ended up doing retroactive raises for everyone. We, we froze them. We did bonuses at the end of the year. Uh, we were profitable, not what I wanted to be at the beginning of the year, but that wasn't the point. I mean, we were, I mean, I think I had like 2000 profit was like where we were in the doomsday, which is not even relevant. And so, and so the business has rebounded, you know, and, and the team is still intact. 
Um, and, and that's the greatest thing. And I think that, you know, you, you were nice enough to mention the best places to work uh, that, that we all know, I think, as, as owners, particularly agency owners, that the team is critical. We've all read the books. We've all read the, the articles. But when you really have a team that is invested, you want to do the same for them. And clients will come and go, but the team is so hard to build. And so if we don't invest in that team, we have nothing. And so that's, that's critical. And so that's, that's what I'm most proud of. I never want to have to do it again, but it worked out well and, and, and better than I expected. And, and, you know, the, we came back really strong. The first quarter has been terrific, uh, or at least it's looking to be terrific. And, uh, and we're hoping for a great year, but it, it was, it was crazy for sure. No, Lauren, I really, really appreciate a, your time. B, your candor. Thank you. And C, some really, really entertaining stories. That was a, that's, the, uh, <laughs> that's the trifecta of a good podcast. Now, all we need to do is get a good interviewer, and then we'd be perfect. But, uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. But anyway, <laughs> I really do appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Gideon. Appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. I hope everyone out there enjoys this. And um, um, I hope everyone is still staying safe. And I uh, look forward to seeing you all really, really soon. Hopefully in person really soon. That would be nice. That would yeah, be have, nice. Have Terrific. a great day, everyone. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you.